Hello and welcome to this week's Thursday Top 5. I'm Paige. I'm Anna. We're so excited because not only are we recording together in person for the first time in a little bit, but yes. we are recording from our hotel room in Miami. Yes, very exciting. We've been having such a great time in Miami and we actually have been talking about how we want to come back like for Art Basel Miami hopefully this year, considering that some in-person art fairs are happening, especially this week um, in New York, Freeze, the first one. I think like Basel next year here in Miami or at the end of this year will be so amazing. I agree. Miami is definitely more open than New York is right now. So I think the chance at an art fair happening in a more normal capacity is much, much higher and more feasible in Miami than it is in New York. We're going to freeze and we're really excited to see what happens. Like we're not spending the weekend in Miami so that we can go and visit freeze. Exactly. But it will be interesting to see the differences. I agree. And I also think like the benchmark like we've been going to restaurants that we went to before covid together like in 2019 and um they seem the same like nothing has changed whereas like the restaurants we used to go to in new york before covid like are still like at 50 percent capacity and they're like um separators and stuff like the acrylic things to um separate tables and like here it's like a free-for-all we are having the same experience that we had in november of 2019 exactly um, but so, we're wearing a mask. Oh, yeah. We're being responsible. <laughs> we are being responsible. Um, but I think we can um, dive into the news for the week. Yeah. So first, for a quick update, we recently have been talking a lot about the planned protests at MoMA. Mm-hmm. And this week, the New York Times reported that, quote, MoMA blocks protesters who plan to demonstrate inside. So MoMA said that it was forced to actually sh- close their doors when protesters attempted to force their way into the museum Friday afternoon. And this came at the conclusion of a march designed to focus attention on what the demonstrators say is the undue influence of wealthy patrons on the cultural institution's values and programming. Yeah, so just as a reminder, the strike MoMA campaign, which is scheduled to last for 10 weeks Mm -hmm. through June 11th, involves a coalition of activist groups that call themselves the international imagination of anti-national, anti-imperialist feelings. And we talked about it on the podcast a bit ago, like when it first started. Yeah, I remember the name thinking how long and how it didn't make any sense. I still feel that way. I had to read that and it was hard. (laughs) (laughs) But the museum released a statement that said that two guards were actually injured during the dispute. And one of the protesters said that she was punched by a guard. So it got physical. No, it's crazy. And before the demonstration, a MoMA spokeswoman said that protesters, if they had tickets and passed a COVID-19 screening protocol, would be allowed inside the museum's lobby, which I think is crazy. No, I think it's so crazy. MoMA's director, Glenn Lowry, said that the museum respects the right to protest and added that he does not agree with dismantling MoMA or any museum as it serves the best interests of the public. But yeah, the because fact- it doesn't. Like, it doesn't serve any purpose. Like, right. dismantling these institutions is not the key. It's like just there exactly. needs to be change, but you can't shut down MoMA. I completely agree. And the fact that he's even saying that he respects the protest, I feel like is so monumental. I agree. They were willing to let protesters in the lobby. Like they just weren't about to break all COVID protocol and let people storm MoMA because that's ridiculous. Like there were people there visiting the museum. Although I know this is not compare in any way, shape or form, but like it kind of reminded me a little bit of the Capitol when like people like tried to like storm in and like people were injured and like at the Capitol people died and it's like people don't seem to be learning from other experiences that are like kind of similar like you would have 
thought like after that people wouldn't try to be storming institutions for like to talk about i mean the institution only harms both the protesters and like the institution yeah and honestly it doesn't do anything i agree and in a way like i respected these protests so much and then like when they get like so violent i feel like it takes away from the message they're trying to convey because they're like in a way like putting themselves on a different level like they're not their message does not come across the right way i agree and i think that's what moma was also saying that they respect the right to protest and yeah. if people feel a certain way they're welcome to demonstrate in front but in no way should anyone try and storm the lobby of moma no exactly and like i feel so bad for the guards exactly. like it's their job but it's also like they shouldn't have to be getting physical with these people and then the entire museum gets shut down for the day which is only hurting people and the museum which has already struggled so much because of covid so oh it's so sad but after the demonstration moma released a statement saying that protesters had shown complete disregard for the safety and well-being of all staff and visitors by trying to force their entry into the museum which is like drives home what we're saying i think we agree with that yes it's ridiculous yes but moving on Our first headline of this week comes to us from Vogue, where it was revealed that, quote, the 2021 Met Gala dress code is American independence. So both 2020 and 2021's galas were postponed, of course, due to the pandemic. And even though the 2020 exhibition did open at the Met last year, there was no accompanying red carpet celebration, which perhaps is what everyone knows more than the exhibition, exhibition yes um, but it was announced that the 2021 exhibition will have two acts the first called in america a lexicon of fashion opening september 18th and it will celebrate the 75th anniversary of the museum's costume institute and explore a modern vocabulary of american fashion and part two will be a continued look into the glories of our domestic fashion industry and will be unveiled in 2022 with a celebration slated for its story date of the first Monday in May, May 2nd, 2022. And what was so cool about this announcement is that they made it on the first Monday in May yes. when the Met Gala usually would have would been have happened. Yes. And the 2021 Met Gala will be a smaller, more intimate celebration and will be hosted in September on the 13th by co-chairs Timothy Chalamet, Billy Eilish, Amanda Gorman, and Naomi Osaka. And honorary chair, Tim Ford, Adam Masseri, and Anna Wintour. And there was a lot of, obviously, (laughs) there was a lot of talk about how young a lot of the co-chairs were. And they were really trying to give like new life to this event. I agree. So that's exciting. And what's so interesting is that costume exhibitions actually hold record-breaking spots for the most visited exhibitions at the Met. Heavenly Bodies, Fashion, and the Catholic Imagination, which was on view from May 10th to October 8th of 2018, actually holds the number one spot for record attendance at the Met. I actually loved that show. I thought it was like one of the best ones. Yeah. And then I actually wrote a paper recently for my graduate degree on the Alexander McQueen exhibit, which was really monumental in terms of fashion exhibits at the Met. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the research I did was talking about how these fashion exhibits at fine art museums are compared to this blockbuster effect Mm -hmm. where they have sometimes a lower cost, but like a higher production value. Yeah, I mean, everyone wanted to go see the Gucci one too, remember? Like, it's like, I also saw like a Dior one in Paris. And like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember, but it was like all over Instagram just because the dresses looked so pretty. But it's like, 
then some amazing paintings are shown and like people are like they don't know as much so they don't really like see it and oftentimes less curatorial research is put into the exhibitions which is a little problematic but they do serve to bring so many people into Into the the mess which is proven in the numbers like it's not a question that they do better than other exhibits yeah which is crazy but it makes sense it's like more accessible if you think about it like for the alexander mcqueen show they opened the met on mondays when it was historically closed and we're offering like late night tickets for more money that's crazy i like didn't know this isn't that fascinating it is fascinating headline number two comes to us from art news where it was reported that quote u.s government seeks forfeiture of roman statue that was allegedly en route to kim kardashian so a newly filed lawsuit reveals that in 2016 the u.s government seized an ancient roman statue that was allegedly being delivered to kim kardashian Yes, so the U.S. government called for the forfeiture of the illegally imported statue, which resembles the lower half of a person wrapped in fabric. The lawsuit filed in REM, or against the statue itself, was first reported on Twitter by Robert Snell, a writer of the Detroit News. And I feel like that really drives home the point that it's Kim Kardashian, that the news was leaked on Twitter. Exactly. But it all adds up. Right. (laughs) This statue had been displayed at the booth of Brussels Axel Vervoort Gallery at the 2011 edition of TFOF Art Fair, and the work is currently held by the U.S. Customs and Border Protection. When the work was seized in 2016 in LA, the importer's name was allegedly listed as Kim Kardashian DBA Noah Roberts Trust. A representative for Kardashian has denied that the celebrity had bought the work, stating that, quote, we believe it may have been purchased using her name without authorization. And because it was never received, she was unaware of the transaction. And I think that's a little bit of an iffy argument. Yeah. Just to say that because the work itself was seized, she never saw it. So she had nothing to do exactly. with it. Also, I find it hard to believe that, like, you can just use a random name, like, like that doesn't really make sense to me like you can't just be like oh yeah just put it under kim kardashian like, right uh, but yeah adding on to this argument is the fact that this was not the first time that this trust has been connected to the kardashian family as the same trust was used in the purchase of her hidden hills home um with her now separated husband um connie west so it's making that denial even more difficult because exactly. the trust has been found before to be connected to, to her. her yes Which is interesting. It is. According to the suit, the archaeologist suggested that the defendant statue was looted, smuggled, and illegally exported from Italy. Yeah, and two professors with training in archaeology and materials, as well as an archaeologist from Italy's Ministry of Cultural Heritage, examined the work after it was confiscated by the U.S. Customs. And these experts determined that the fragment sculpture is made out of marble and that it may be a copy of an ancient Greek statue that um, they dated to the 6th century. And the, sorry, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and real issues arose when the documentation provided by a shipping company proved to be insufficient to satisfy requirements surrounding the U.S.'s Cultural Property Implementation Act from 1983, which forbids the importation of looted heritage. So it's almost as if they knew that it should not have been imported yes. and they tried to get around it by attaching the wrong documents to the statue Mm -hmm. they were found out the work was seized and now kardashian's trying to distance herself yeah it's very crazy and like obviously no one wants to accept that they did something wrong so everyone's like no it wasn't me like obviously the trust is gonna say it wasn't them and that it was kim kardashian and that they didn't know it was i don't know like everyone's right and the gallery is saying no we did the right thing and then the customs are saying no No. this is illegal (laughs) so so who do we believe (laughs) 
But I do kind of love that Kim Kardashian is so wrapped in this mm-hmm. because I think the intricacies of art looting is so complicated and I personally find it to be so interesting. And I because she's involved, the story is getting so, so much, much more press. press than it ever would. It's also crazy because like as someone who's like trying to become a lawyer, like she would she should know better. That, I didn't even think of that. And that's probably why she's trying so hard to say she Dude, didn't she, know what yes. was happening. Okay. She's well, not about to pass wild. that bar. She's not going to pass the bar. Maybe she will. You never know. Our third headline comes to us from the art newspaper, which announced that quote, MoMA trustee Lonte Evers to open huge art center in Brooklyn this summer. So the American philanthropist and mega collector Lonte Evers will launch a sprawling nonprofit art center in Brooklyn this summer called the Amont Foundation. The center aims to emphasize practitioners coming from the disciplines of theory, poetry, and literature. So the 21,000 square feet complex will span four buildings across two blocks in East Williamsburg and include two galleries, a performance space, and studios for resident artists. Lonte, who is on the boards of the... Museum of Modern Art and the Center for Curatorial Studies at Bard College envisions the center as a mix of studio and exhibition spaces and emphasizes that the program will be free of the time restrictions and financial and administrative confines that typically accompany art practices in New York. So that's not, I mean, I'm sure Brooklyn is a great choice because there's so much space, but there's also just different like rules and regulations that make it ideal for this. I agree. And the inaugural exhibition called Grada Quilomba, Heroines, Birds, and Monsters um, will open on June 5th and run until October 3rd. And it marks the US debut of Quilomba, a Berlin-based Portuguese artist and writer who is best known for her work addressing the transatlantic slave trade and decolonization. And what's also so cool about this is that the inaugural roster features a lineup of all female artists. Yes. So we love to see that. I know. I love that. Um, And what's so cool is like kind of you just touched on it, but like experimental spaces outside of a city. So like Miami, Palm Beach or like even New York and the Hamptons. Even LA sometimes I feel like gets away with doing a little bit more than New York does just because of space constraints. Yes. Yes. Um. I mean, also here in Miami, I feel like there is so much space in, like, the opening of Super Blue, like, right. which is, like, massive warehouses, and, like, that wouldn't really happen in Manhattan, like, and we were talking about this um, with our friends the other night, like, the art fairs, right now that Freeze moved to the mm-hmm. shed, um, just because it's smaller, but, like, will Freeze go back to Randall's Island? Like, people might not want to go back to Randall's Island after being in, like, you know, Hudson Yards, right. but, like, there is not enough space to hold a Freeze as big as it used to be. Um, like in a post-pandemic world anywhere in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't know, just when you think about that. Well, it's also mm-hmm. like we love going to Dia Beacon and Storm King, but mm-hmm. we've talked about this the other day because yes. we were talking about joining Dia Beacon because we loved it. It was so cool mm-hmm. and they do have really great programming. Yeah. But realistically, how often are we going to drive out there? No, exactly. But like East Williamsburg is so close. Like we could even like, you know, do you brunch. Could- <laughs> <laughs> we love a Brooklyn day. Yeah, and I think it's this story actually reminds me of something else I read the other day. Annie and Joseph Albers are also opening, like the foundation is opening. I think it's a hospital in Senegal. And I just think it's so crazy that all of these like artists are opening. I, I It's not an art center, but right. I thought it was like similar to this story. It's so great that the money is being put to good use and like not just like 
for the conservation of the state. I agree. And so many people have recently or attempting to right now move out of New York City Mm -hmm. that it will be interesting to see as people congregate in other areas, like what pops up in these new spaces. Yeah, I agree. Headline four comes to us from Artnet News, where it was reported that, quote, Artists are selling $140 photographs online to support India's depleted hospitals as it battles a coronavirus surge. So India, which is the world's second most populous nation, is in the midst of a deadly coronavirus surge that has claimed the lives of more than 4,000 people in just the past 24 hours. According to reports from the health ministry, the number of daily infections has exceeded 300,000 every day for the past two weeks. And I'm sure everyone has been seeing this in the news. Yeah, everywhere in the news. It's so sad. But the arts community community is rallying to support overwhelmed hospitals facing dire oxygen shortages. And then Art for India launched earlier this week and will run through May 9th. And it is a grassroots project selling photographs for $140 each. And like photographs are usually really expensive because they come in edition numbers. And like Mm -hmm. we've talked about it before. And like because their work's on paper, they're also more delicate, which drives up the price a bit. So $140 is such a good deal. It's such a good deal. And 11 artists from India and its diaspora came together to raise money for the coronavirus relief group Mission Oxygen. Yeah. And the project was founded by three London-based entrepreneurs and it will donate 100% of its proceeds to the relief organization the group is now comprised of 250 entrepreneurs in india working to import oxygen concentrators for for the hardest hit hospitals in the country so far they have raised over twenty seven thousand eight hundred dollars with orders coming in from around the world and i think this speaks to what we just previously said where it's everywhere in the news and people are really trying to help which is amazing no it is amazing but when hotspots in the United States and Europe had similar surges, the art world mobilized with initiatives like pictures for El- Elmhurst, which raised $1.3 million for the New York hospital. And a similar a similar fundraiser in Italy raised nearly um, $800,000 to benefit the Pope Giovanni Hospital in Bergamo. So like, it is really great that people are buying, but 27000 just does not compare to a million. And I think it just like shows like the inequalities in the art world and like, and not even in the art world, just like in the world in general, like when it's like a first world country, like people really do rally. And mm-hmm. right now India is like suffering so much, but it is a third world country. And like, that's part of why it's suffering, but not as much money is being raised when like that much money should be being right. Raised, they need, you know? if anything, they need more help. Exactly. But the photographs are beautiful. We encourage everyone to go check out the project, buy one. Yes, and they're it's since a great they're initiative. all by like um, Indian artists. Like they feature like Indian like views and things like mm-hmm. that that I thought were so cool because like I've never been to India, so it's like always. I fun also to, like, have never been. Yeah, it's always day. fun to see new places, even through photographs. Yeah. Our fifth and final headline comes to us from the art newspaper, which reported that quote: "A Bronze Age village is discovered beneath Lake Lucerne." Archaeologists have discovered the remains of a Bronze Age village beneath Lake Lucerne in Switzerland. According to a press release, the settlement has long lain hidden under the lake's muddy floor, but was revealed when a trench was being cut for a new water pipeline between December 2019 and May 2020. Yeah, so in March of 2020, the excavation unearthed pottery and wooden poles that were identified as prehistoric by a team of underwater archaeologists the artifacts were then carbon dated to around 1000 bc in the bronze age when the lake level was five meters below than what it is today 
And putting the evidence together, the archaeologists concluded that the Lucerne area was settled around 2,000 years earlier than previously thought. Which is crazy. That's so... 2,000 like, is a just lot of history. years. Yes. Um, they also found that the wooden poles were remains of pile dwellings, which means um, like houses that stood on stilts besides lakes or river banks. So like... Like, it's kind of crazy that, like, the it's, remains of houses are still under a league right now. It's so crazy to think about. Yes. And due to the often excellent preservation of organic artifacts like the wooden poles at Lucerne, such sites provide glimpses into life during Europe's Neolithic and Bronze Age phases. Yeah. And in 2011, the prehistoric pile dwellings around the Alps were added to UNESCO, um, to the World Heritage List. And this listing includes 111 sites spread across Switzerland, Austria, France, Germany, Italy, and Slovenia. And of these, 56 are in Switzerland. So Switzerland was very, like, popular in the Bronze Age. I love a UNESCO World Heritage site. site. Yeah, they're it's very cool. It's always so exciting. I agree. But this is just, like, such an exciting discovery. I know. Um, I just, like, I want to like, go and really see This really changes it. history. Because, like, imagine finding out that there was life there 2,000 years before. Like, it's what you said. 2,000 years is a really long time. Right. Especially when it comes to, like, humans. Like, right. Yeah. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. So exciting. Finally, we cannot leave without some emerging news. This week, it comes from Artnet, which revealed yesterday that, quote, we are launching Artnet News Pro, our new members-only section offering an insider's view of the evolving art market. Starting March 5th, Artnet will have a brand new feature titled Artnet News Pro, which will be a members-only section of Artnet News. The goal is to provide collectors, art professionals, and other ambitious art lovers with the tools to navigate this high-stakes terrain through exclusive market news, analysis, opinions, insights from industry insiders, and investigations driven by Artnet's industry-leading price database. We talked about this yesterday. The price database is the most amazing thing. I'm obsessed with it. I get full access to it from the Sotheby's Institute now Mm -hmm. and I'm like looking everything up. I I know it's so crazy. And like we were talking about how far back it goes and how some like because you can for the people who don't know, you can look up like basically any auction Mm -hmm. that you want and like see like obviously you cannot see who bought it but like it says like basically everything other than who bought it exactly um but some of them are so old that there's no image for them and we were talking about how like incredible that is um but going back to the art news pro um the new service is built on five pillars which are transparency efficiency competitive advantage world-class reporting and real value And their goal is to provide professional readership with kind of insider reporting, so vital to the art market, while also like simultaneously enabling the platform to continue to provide journalistic coverage at large. So it's a more narrowed in art market focused sector of Artnet News. Yes, I think some of these things are like really cool when they like materialize but like right now I'm having like a hard time envisioning what this will Mm -hmm. look like because it's like I think our news is already so great Mm -hmm. and like I don't really understand what like I understand what they're trying to do but I don't know if it's gonna work so I'm excited to see it in person or not in person but like (laughs) in like real life um just to see what it actually does like what the news look like if it actually gives you like insider news Mm -hmm. as opposed to well I think what I love about Artnet and what 
I feel like so many people love about Artnet is you can go on and read everything for free. Even mm-hmm. like the art newspaper, you have to go on like incognito mode yes. if you don't want to pay for it because they cut you off at like three, three articles. articles. Yeah. So, but what's so amazing about Artnet News <laughs> is that it's all available. So I'm going to be interested to see what they put on Artnet News Pro versus what type it of worth content. It. Right. And they have to make it worth it or else no, no one's going one's to buy. Buy. Yeah. I mean, like if you work at a big auction house or a gallery Obviously or somewhere, you'll get, get access yeah. to it, I'm sure, which is a little problematic because I feel like that will just fund this initiative yes. and they're going to think that it's doing great and then everyone else will be annoyed. But we will see. Yeah, exactly. We will see. I just don't understand where they're going to draw the line between what no, that's makes what the I'm cut saying. and what It's doesn't. like what makes the cut for like insider news and then what's public and also i feel like it's not real insider news if anyone can pay to see it that defeats the purpose and the art world is so gossipy as it is that like everything makes headlines anyway so like something that they might put on their insider news might oh might be reported on like somewhere else like in a different platform right like what if it's on art news but it's or like even the new york times like i don't know like or sometimes even forbes will release like things that are like top yeah yeah. like right now for example everyone's talking about the um bill gates melinda gates divorce and like whether art collection like like, where it's gonna gonna go and it's like everyone's speculating but like and they're like oh we might we have an insider but like no one actually knows what's going to happen and we just like have to wait and see right and like it's like it's our news pro going to tell us no. what's gonna happen like probably not because like, they can't not. really report on it so it's like what's the point of it they're gonna have but more we'll insider see. sources exactly like, it's like, still they're not a source going, not a fact exactly so it's gonna be interesting to see what happens but like sometimes these things end up being really cool so we'll it just could be wait. so cool it just it, that's why it's emerging news exactly we will follow up mm-hmm. but i think that's it for today we have a super exciting monday chatter check-in coming up because we're in miami and we're going to talk about like miami things what we're doing in miami um and then next monday chatter check-in we already have a schedule because we're going to freeze this weekend mm-hmm. so we will definitely be talking about that yeah, i'm so excited for that yes very So yeah, that's it for the day. Yeah, I think that's it. Have a great weekend. Thank you.